Thank you for listening to this message brought to you by the audio ministry of Lighthouse Baptist Church in Schenectady, New York. For more great content, please visit us at lighthousebaptist.org. Now let's open our hearts and minds to the Word of God. I know thy works and thy labor and thy patience and how thou canst not bear them which are evil and thou hast tried them which say they are apostles and are not and hast found them liars and hast borne and hast patience and for my namesake hast labored and hast not fainted. Nevertheless, I have somewhat against thee because thou hast left thy first love. Remember therefore from whence thou art fallen and repent. And do the first works, or else I will come unto thee quickly, and will remove thy candlestick out of his place, except thou repent. And this thou hast, that thou hatest the deeds of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. To him that overcometh will I give to eat of the tree of life, which is in the midst of the paradise of God. And unto the angel of the church in Smyrna write, These things saith the first and the last, which was dead and is alive, I know thy works, and tribulation, and poverty, but thou art rich. And I know the blasphemy of them, which say they are Jews, and are not, but are of the synagogue of Satan. Fear none of those things which thou shalt suffer. Behold, the devil shall cast some of you in prison, that ye may be tried, and ye shall have tribulation ten days. Be thou faithful unto death, and I will give thee a crown of life. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches." He that overcometh shall not be heard of the second death. And unto the, and to the angel of the church in Pergamus write, These things saith he which hath the sharp sword with two edges, I know thy works, and where thou dwellest, even where Satan's seed is. And thou holdest fast my name, and hast not denied my faith, even in those days where Antipas my, was my faithful martyr, who was slain among you where Satan dwelleth. But... I have a few things against thee, because thou hast there them that hold the doctrine of Balaam, who taught Balak to cast a stumbling block before the children of Israel, to eat things sacrificed unto idols, and to commit fornication. So hast thou also them that hold the doctrine of the Nicolaitans, which thing I hate. Repent, or else I will come unto thee quickly, and will fight against thee, fight against them with the sword of my mouth. And the, the operative verse here, believe it or not, is verse 17, and it says, He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. To him that overcometh will I give to eat of the hidden manna, and will give him a white stone, and in the stone a new name written, which no man knoweth, saying, saving he that receiveth it. Let's go Lord in prayer. Father, we thank you for the privilege of being in your house today. And Lord, we thank you for the perspective that you give us on our lives. We can live them, and we can just let one day go into the next. But Father, if we're wise, we know as we follow your word, we'll realize things that are true and things that are eternal, and we'll reconcile ourselves to those things, those things that are inevitable. And Father, we thank you for sending Jesus, your Son, to die on the cross for the sins of the whole world for our sins individually and for the sins of the whole world corporately, that anyone, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord, shall be saved. We thank you, Lord, for that great truth. We ask, Father, you give us a sense of perspective. Lord, give us a sense of, 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 of some urgency. 
and uh, Lord of importance and pursue those things that are of the highest value. And Lord, as always, we pray that if there be any here today that have not yet trusted Christ as their personal Savior, that today would be that day of salvation. And we pray in Jesus' name, amen. You know, I read a lot of verses, and we're not going to get you know, caught up on every verse in here. The, 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 the main point for this first point is a new name. In verse 17, it says, He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto churches, to him that overcometh. Who is he that overcomes? Well, it's, if you're saved, you've overcome the world. We've been forgiven. Our sins are washed in the blood of the Lamb. We've received Christ as our Savior. You know, the beautiful thing about it is we met God on his terms. You know, if, if, if people are content with being religious, well, then you got to hope that your religion's right and you, you follow my religion. And so many times people say, you ask people, what do you believe? What, what, what my church believes? What does your church believe? Oh, well, same thing I do. <laughs> oh, that, that's great. That's really good. What's the Bible say about it? Well, this is where we, the rubber meets the road. And this is where it gets so satisfactory. I mean, look at the Bible. It's not that big, really. I mean, it doesn't read like a Reader's Digest. It's more meaty than that. It's more content to it. But honestly, it, it, this is it. And you can get smaller ones than this. But this is the entire Word of God. And we meet God on His terms, and He says, you've overcome. So we have one life to live. Now, I, I, shortly after I got saved, I thought, well... Now that I'm, I'm saved and, uh, um, and I plan on serving the Lord on earth and so on, what would be a really good thing to do while I'm on earth? And I'm sure you are probably all thinking the same thing that I thought. Flying an F-15. Because <laughs> that's exactly what I thought. And I went down to the Naval Pilot Program to get into the, the pilot program. But you may be shocked to hear this, but my hearing was insufficient. What? <laughs> I, it was insufficient. So I said, all right, well, and it wasn't quite so linear. It wasn't quite so one-dimensional or so callous. But I thought, okay, if I can't do that, I think I ought to consider the ministry. <laughs> you know, pretty compatible things, right? But the point being, and, and it's, such a, it's such a simple truth that life is short. What are you going to do with it? We can, we can measure it out very simply and maybe not add up to a whole lot. None of us want that. But we want to make it count to the very best. And here, the verses we read very simply in verses 1 through 17 talk about overcoming and a new name and really seizing the opportunity. I do want to comment on just a couple of things here with the church of Ephesus to begin. This is Paul's letters to the seven churches of Asia. These are real churches. They existed. And they, uh, the primary application, there are seven real churches. And he writes to the messenger, the angel of the church of of Ephesus. So the angel of the church, most people agree, not everybody, but most people agree, the angel of the church talks about the messenger, that the word angel means, means messenger of the church, and prob probably talking about the pastor. <laughs> don't look at me like I'm some angel. I know you don't. I don't have to warn you about it. But the word messenger is there. And here's what's interesting about this. So the church at Ephesus was mentioned first probably because John, who wrote the book of Revelation, was there. That's where he resided for a while. And uh, the, 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 the bishop or the angel of the church's time was most likely Timothy, the same one that Paul wrote the two letters to. So Timothy's there, it's where John was, and so he writes about Ephesus, he says, you know, you, you've done a great job, uh, commendable in a lot of ways, I know their works, I know their labor, you can't bear them that are evil, and it says, um, 
verse 3, you ask, born and ask patience for my namesake. And, uh, he, but he says in verse 4, nevertheless, I have somewhat against thee, because thou hast left thy first love. And he says, remember. He says, remember. Well, remember. What, is it, what does he want us to remember? He wants us to, to remain. Remember, and a lot of us can relate to this. When you first got saved, in a lot of people's lives, there was that, that fervent connectedness, that spontaneity, that, that effervescence of, I'm saved. I can't, this is amazing. I, I got saved just before I turned 21. I was not, I was brought up in a religious home, learned some good things, but I had not learned that I need to personally repent and trust Christ as Savior. I hadn't read much of the Bible like at all, but now getting into the Bible, reading it, and I'm thinking, I'm saved. This is awesome. I met God on his terms, and, and John is saying, remember, consider the state in which you once did. Remember those first times. He says to Ephesus, remember what it was like when you first got saved, how incredibly refreshing and encouraging and strengthening it was. He says, remember that. Remember, remember that love and the joy you felt when, it, when you realize you've received complete forgiveness of sins. Remember the zeal that you had for God's glory. I remember the zeal, and it wasn't always supported by the best Bible knowledge. But you had zeal. You, just, you wanted to tell people about Jesus. You just wanted to. What are you going to say? Don't really know, but you want to witness. And again, we covered this before. Witnessing is not being a theologian, expository notes and cross-references. Witnessing is just saying, is telling what you saw and what you heard. And so you want to witness. And he says, remember this. Remember that cheerful sense of self-denial that you had as you got saved and you realized, I, I want to be in church. I want to read my Bible. Remember those first times of your private prayer life when you got saved, how precious it was praying before God and you have this newness, this connection that you never had before. Not saying you never prayed before, but now that you got saved, you realize this is fantastic. I'm talking to God. I'm praying. It's not a natural thing the flesh, the flesh wants you to do, but I'm praying. He says, remember this. Remember that sense of detachment that you had from the world when you got saved. Because we're saying, Lord, I don't want to go that way anymore. We may not know everything that implies, but Lord, I was wrong. And I'm turning. I realize that Jesus is the Savior, and I want him as my Savior. I want the forgiveness of sin. I want to follow you. I want you to be my Lord. Remember that sense of self-denial. So what John's saying to the church of Ephesus is, that, remember. Remember what it was like. I don't have to tell you anything new. Remember what it was like. Remember and consider all this. And that's what he says in verse 5. Remember, therefore, from whence you are fallen. In verse 6, he says, and I just want to comment on this, and we're going to move on to the next point pretty quickly. But it's all about getting a crown. It's all about saying, I got one shot at this thing called life, and I want to make it count. I, I don't want to be apathetic. I don't want to just roll along with everybody like flotsam and jotsam on the sea. I want to be the one that's going to cut through the waves. I want to be the one that's going to make a difference. When it comes time to stand in the gap, I want to be that one. I want to be that one because life is short. In verse 6, he says something interesting. We'll comment on this. We'll move on. The deeds of the Nicolaitans. He, it's mentioned a couple times in this passage, but he says in verse 6, but this thou hast. In other words, remember from whence thou art fallen. Remember, I want you, church of Ephesus, 
The church that John knew, the church that Timothy was probably at, it was at, at this time. He was almost certainly there. And by the way, Timothy was, was killed, history says, around the year 97 AD. And one of the accounts says that there was a procession to the goddess Diana in Ephesus. And Timothy went out to stop it. He made a public example. He went to an anti-Diana rally. And he's in the middle of the street, stop. And the, one of the, and the account says he was run through with a spear because he said, you've got to stop this craziness. It's not right. And it was shortly after his death that John returned, history says, from the Isle of Patmos. So it's a, a, lot, of, a lot of rich history. One of the things he says about Ephesus, he says, okay, remember from where you fell. Remember, remember from where you were, how sweet it was to love Jesus and to know him. Remember how good that was, the joy and the zeal and the freshness of your prayer and the, the wonder of the word of God. Remember all these things. But he says, this one thing you have, and I commend you for this. He says, this thou hast that thou hatest the deeds of Nicolaitans. Now the Nicolaitans, I heard a couple of things about Nicolaitans. One of the things, now they probably started from Nicholas, one of the first deacons, it always starts with the deacons. <laughs> now I'm pulling your leg. But he was a deacon, Nicholas, and he probably started this thing called the Nicolaitans. There are two things I heard about that. One was he started that separation between clergy and laity, okay? And like, you know, I would dress up in different garment. Now, if somebody dresses up in different garment, it's not the worst thing in the world. But this idea of separating of this class structure, it's not right. And so one of the first things I'd heard many years ago is that Nicholas, Nicolaitans, one of the first ones to do this. But one of the other things that came up and pretty well documented, and he said to the church of Ephesus, you're against them. I commend you for this. They taught they were probably a sect of the Gnostics. I won't get into it all, but this is what they taught. A lot of impure doctrines, impure practices. The Nicolaitans taught about the community of wives that... I don't even want to mention some of the things they say because it's still a little off color, but he, in addition to those impurities, he said that eating meats offered, offered to idols was quite lawful. And they also started to mix pagan rites with Christian worship. It's wrong. It's always been wrong, spoken about here, and it's wrong today. We need to keep those things separate. The point being in this first point of a new name is in verse, verses 1 through 17, we read about three different churches, the struggles they went through. And if you don't mind, I'm going to hold you for just another minute. When we talk about uh, in, in the... Excuse me just for a second, I'm just going to jump down here. With the doctrine of the, the 10 days. In verse 10, talking about the church of Smyrna. So you have church of Ephesus, church of Smyrna, then the church of Pergamos. Church of Smyrna... And we'll move on after this. In verse 10, it says, Fear none of those things which thou shalt suffer. Behold, the devil shall cast some of you into prison, that ye may be tried, and ye shall have tribulation ten days. Be thou faithful unto death, and I will give thee a crown of life. Have you ever wondered what those ten days means? Ten days. Was it ten days? It, it almost certainly speaks to ten years. The day is the, the, kind of a common reference when speaking in... in in, on a broader sense, as, as the Apostle John's writing. He didn't say from, from Monday to the following you know, week from Wednesday. He said 10 days. What's interesting here, have you ever heard of Polycarp? 
Polycarp. He sat at the feet of John, and uh, it's most likely, and this is just history, I'm just throwing in for if you have an interest in history, but it puts a little bit of a face behind the name. This was probably addressed to Polycarp. Again, the angel of the church, right? The messenger of the church, Polycarp. And at this time, when John wrote this, he was the bishop or the pastor of the church here. And it says, we know that he had much to suffer, and he was finally the one he wrote to. He said in verse 10, fear none of those things which thou shalt suffer, right? most likely Polycarp. Doesn't really, it could be someone else, could be, but probably Polycarp. Fear none of those things which thou shalt suffer. Behold, the devil shall cast some of you into prison, that ye may be tried, and you shall have tribulation ten days. Polycarp was burned alive at Smyrna in the year 166. And the account says that a lot of people, they came around with all the burning woods, and they, they burned them up. And the ten years matches up with the ten years of persecution, the exact ten years of persecution under the Roman emperor Diocletian. And I only point this out because it's kind of data and it's flowing out there, but what I point that out simply to say there is a very direct, specific application to the challenges that are here. And the culmination of all this is to say, live well. At this time, now they were going through some really hard times. I have never been threatened. Uh, my life has never been threatened because of my stand for the gospel. At home as a kid, if you butted your way in the food line, your life might be threatened. But I've never been threatened. I've, have, have you ever been threatened for the gospel? It's pretty unusual in America that these things would happen. But this does happen in a lot of places right now on earth and other places. And I admire the strength and the courage that these men, women, and children have for Jesus Christ. And here in Smyrna, he said, stand up. It's going to be worth it all. The next point we're going to see, and that was the longest of the points. I don't say that for any any reason just to let you know. The next one is overcoming. Overcoming. So again, we got one shot at life. One shot. And we're all a work in progress, right? None of us claim to have all the answers, but we know the one who does, right? And we have his, his word with us, so we read it, we follow it. But I hope that we all have this sense of, of, of importance of time, the brevity of life, the importance of eternity, the value of standing for Christ, of, of proclaiming the gospel, supporting our missionaries, publishing the scriptures. It's overcoming. It's awesome. In Revelation chapter 3, verses 1 through 5, again, a little bit more of a snippet from the letters to the churches. It says, And unto the angel of the church in Sardis write, These things saith he that hath the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. So again, he's writing to the church of Sardis. I know thy works, that thou hast a name, that thou livest and art dead. Be watchful, and strengthen the things which remain, that are ready to die, for I have not found thy works perfect before God. Remember, again, okay, another remember. Remember, therefore, how thou hast received and heard, and hold fast, and repent. If therefore, if therefore thou shalt not watch, I will come on thee as a thief, and thou shalt not know what hour I will come upon thee. Thou hast a few names in Sardis, which have not defiled their garments, and they shall walk with me in white, for they are worthy. He that overcometh, again, here's the overcoming, he that overcometh, the same shall be clothed in white raiment, and I will not blot his name out of the book of life, but I will confess his name before my father and before his angels. Overcoming, a new robe. Look at that, verse 5, the same shall be clothed in white raiment. We have been given 
the righteousness of Christ. And this is testified in a couple different places in Scripture. The imputed righteousness of Christ. And when God sees us, you know, your friends and neighbors and family members, they might see you and they might remember the old you. And they say, ah, you know, prophet is not without honor saving his own country, right? And, and sometimes we may think of ourselves as the old us. But one thing to remember is God has given us the imputed righteousness of Christ, not because you're so righteous, because we're not. We're not righteous. We're unrighteous. We're, we're a bunch of sinners. I could go on with that for a little while. But we're all cut from the same cloth. But when we trust Christ, our sins are forgiven, been born again, a member of the family of God, and he gives unto us the imputed righteousness of Christ. And I think this is one of the references to this being clothed in white raiment. He that overcometh the same shall be clothed in white raiment. It's a new robe. And I, I love that idea. I love the idea that, that I have, that we have a new standing because of what Christ did for us. It's awesome. It just doesn't get any better than that. It's, it's terrific. No matter what the world throws our way, we've got a new life and a new standing in righteousness before Jesus Christ because of what he's done for us. And I find that extremely comforting. I don't know about you, but sometimes, every once in a while, part of life gets a little bit out of control, right? We've all experienced it. And I don't speak lightly of, of large challenges by any stretch of the imagination. But it's nice to know that as unsecure and insecure as other areas may be, we are secure in Christ, and that is, it's awesome. So that being the case, realizing that we're in a war, we can't lose. God is not in heaven saying, I hope this works out. <laughs> you know, these things have been written into you that believe in the name of the Son of God, that you may hopefully wonder someday that you have eternal life. No, it's that you may know that you have eternal life. It's awesome. So there's no wondering, there's no hope this works out. But we have a new name. So we have, we're in a war. It's not over, but we can't lose. Jesus Christ cannot lose. And lastly, in Revelation chapter 21, verses 1 through 7, a new home. I bring this up as in, in, in these verses, these passages, as a reminder. Again, Revelation is the last book in the Bible, right? And there's so much more in Revelation. We've been through Revelation a few times, chapter by chapter, it's, it's a wonderful, wonderful study. We're not covering the chronology, the series of events, the timing of things at this point. We're just focusing in on the principles, that, that sense of, of reality, the commitment, the security that Christ gives us. And in Revelation chapter 21, verses 1 through 7, the Bible says, and John says, this is wonderful. There's so much we could say about this. He says, And I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven, the first earth were passed away, and there was no more sea. And I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, come down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people, and God himself shall be with them and be their God. And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes, and there shall be no more death, neither sorrow nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain. For the former things are passed away. And he that sat upon the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. And he said unto me, Write, for these words are true and faithful. And he said unto me, It is done. 
I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. I will give unto him that is a thirst of the fountain of the water of life freely. He that overcometh, watch this, shall inherit all things. And I will be his God and he shall be my son. Every child of God. Talking sons and daughters, obviously, but the reference here. He that overcometh shall inherit all things. New home. I mean, that's, that's pretty amazing. That is more than just terrific. And, and so, John, and it's amazing. We've been in Revelation 21 a couple of times in the last few weeks. But we have this great promise of this new home, overcoming, overcoming. You say, you, you might be thinking, now, what, what, I was brought up religiously and, uh, and went to church pretty regularly. I was brought up in a religious grade school, high school, and college, and, uh, and had a respect. I, I, I wasn't disrespectful. I respected you know, the Bible, didn't really read it, but I respected the Bible and church and God and I believed in God. But it's amazing. If, if you were to ask me, well, how is a person saved? I'd say, I don't know. Believe in God, be a good person. That's what most people say, right? You know, that's kind of a semi-logical, quick shoot from the hip answer. I would say, well, be a good person. And then, But when, when I, I started attending, it was an independent Baptist church, they preached the gospel, and my brother showed me how that I can know that you have eternal life. I'm like, who would not want this? And it's available for everybody. He doesn't say, well, if you want eternal life, you have to give all of your money to the poor right now. You have to empty your, your account in the offering plate. Maybe we should have said this before the offering, right? <laughs> you had to give everything, right? That's not the requirement. The requirement is honesty. We're dishonest with ourselves if we say, I haven't sinned. I mean, that's, that's grossly dishonest. But if we acknowledge our sin, receive Jesus Christ as our Savior, we're, we're now in the number of the overcomers. In the future that's ours, I, I bring this up, it's almost a little overwhelming when you see all that God has for us. And he, Paul really summarized this when he said, I hath not, I hath not seen nor ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of man the things which God hath prepared for them that love him. You can't imagine it. You can't imagine it. And we're just touching on some of the verses that describe that. And I say all that to say this. It's worth going for the crown. It is worth remembering where we were, remembering those wonderful days of cheerful self-denial, of the freshness of prayer, the wonder of God's word, the childlike trust and the promises and, and attributes of God and say, Lord, count me in that number. Count me in that number. Lord, I want you to use me. I want you to make my days worthwhile. And God, I want you to be honored through my life. It's, it's, it's a wonderful place to be. There is no better place to be. We're going to ask that we just bow our heads. We hope that message was an encouragement to you. To stay up to date with us, please follow us on Twitter and like us on Facebook at LBC Schenectady. If you would like more information on how heaven can be your home, please visit lighthousebaptist.org slash the gospel.